Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. Before we kind of get into the series, I have a quick announcement. I want to give it, I was going to ask Jesse to do it, but she's like, that's a mouthful. Why don't you just do it? And so I'm going to do it. Um, if you park in our lot over there, you know that we pay for your, 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 your tickets and all that kind of stuff. And if you're paying for your own parking, you're missing out. That lot over there, will cover the cost of that. Um, a month ago, the owners of that lot finally turned on the security cameras. That's how they know who's parking there. So on the way in, on the way out, they're just, they're, that's how they kind of keep an eye on things. And a month ago, she alerted me, and she says, okay, we've turned these cameras off. Your parishioners, if that's the term she used, they're free and clear to park. They're not a problem. Well, apparently, they left the cameras on. And many of you, I think, perhaps have gotten parking tickets. Um, if you've gotten a parking ticket, according to Kathy, who is one of the owners of that company, she goes, I apologize. I have gone through and voided out all of those tickets. If anybody has paid one of those tickets, we will be refunding their money. So if that's you, you got money coming back to you. She goes, you can go on our website, which is on that ticket they may have sent you, and you can just check the status of that ticket. So I apologize for any confusion. She was so embarrassed. We're trying our best, folks. Anyway, so... We are here today kicking off our new series that we're calling At Just the Right Time. This is our Christmas series. We're so excited about this. It is a great time of year. With the music and the decorations is just the best. So if you've been to DHC, if you've been coming, let's call it for the last year, 2022 calendar year, we really have gone on a spiritual journey. You may not have, have, have noticed it, but we really have. Going into this year, I really felt... I don't know, convicted or whatever the case may be, but I really felt like God was like challenging me to help us take it to the next level. And we've done a lot of sort of foundational work, but it was really coming to a place where it's like, all right, let's help folks really take the next step in their faith. And if you go back and you look at a lot of the sermon series that we've gone through, we really have looked at some challenging topics, sort of challenging us to take the next step in our faith journey. Well, one of the practices that we spoke about many, many times, almost in, in every series, was the importance of reading the Bible. That, that really, this is the only way that you're, you're going to know God. I mean, Paul says you can know God through nature, but only a little bit. That this is the way that God has revealed himself to us. And I know a lot of you have taken that step of faith to begin reading the Bible more on your own. Some of you weekly, some of you daily, but a lot of you said, you know what? What I get on a Sunday is not enough. I'm really going to take that next step and, and begin reading it on your own. And it's great hearing from you guys on how that journey is going. Now, if it is you, what you may have found out is that sometimes, sometimes you come across what I'll call hidden details in the Bible in places that you would never expect to find them. Like, for example, Moses, uh, this great Old Testament figure, man of, of of the faith, he, if we expect to hear about Moses in the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, known as the Pentateuch. He actually wrote those. And so we think, okay, if you want to hear about Moses and the history of, of, of the Jewish people, that's where you're going to go to find it. However, we actually find a hidden detail about Moses' life in the New Testament, in the letter to the Hebrews. Now, were it not for this letter that was written some 1,500 years after his life, we would never know this about Moses' youth. Same thing goes for Christmas. When we think about Christmas, we tend to think the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, this is where Jesus' birth, Christmas, uh, life, ministry, death, and resurrection are spoken about. 
Well, one day I was reading the Bible and I was reading the letter to the Galatians, the letter that Paul wrote. And hidden in the midst of this letter, I, I, I uncovered uh, this hidden detail about Christmas that is not mentioned anywhere in the Gospels. In Galatians 4.4, 4, Paul says this, but when the time was right, God sent his son and a woman gave birth to him. When I read this, that stopped me in my tracks. And, and I was kind of like, I pushed back from the desk and I was like, how have I never seen this before? And we've done like a million sermons on Galatians, I feel like, and I have never, ever noticed this. Has it ever happened to you? Like where you're reading a very familiar passage, one you've read maybe your entire life, one you almost know by heart, or you can at least paraphrase it, and then one day something brand new jumps out at you. And it's like, where did this come from? And it's almost like it's exactly what you needed that day. What struck me most about this verse is how Paul describes Christmas as happening when the time was right. That really grabbed my attention. Scripture says that God has a plan for this world. His plan was always to send Jesus Christ into this world to die for our sins. He spoke about this plan early on, even in the Garden of Eden. I think it's Genesis 3.15, was sort of the, the, the beginning of that plan we talk about. And what this verse tells me is that for thousands of years, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, we don't really know, God was waiting for the very perfect time to execute that plan. And really, he just allowed human history to unfold waiting, right? He allowed Mesopotamia to come and go. He allowed the, the Egyptians to come and go. And then the Roman Empire took stage, right? And began to grow and grow and, and connected the world for the very first time in human history. And God watched and he waited. And I kind of like to imagine in those last few days of what would be 1 BC, God looking out from heaven, you got Jesus here and the angels, just waiting for just the right time and saying to them, wait, not yet. They're not ready yet. Wait, 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 wait. Now, okay? And at just the right time, God pulled the lever, launching his plan to save this world, which means it was just the right time for Mary. It was just the right time for Joseph. It was just the right time for the wise men and, and the shepherds. And so what I want to do in this series is I want to take a look at what happened when God pulled that lever, so to speak, at just the right time. How did it impact those individuals who were involved in the birth of his son? And how might it impact us today? So to kick off, I want to take a look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, this woman who played a massive role in God's plan for this world. Her story begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke tells us that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. So Mary's story kind of begins with Elizabeth's story. So who is Elizabeth? Well, Elizabeth is Mary's much older aunt. And when I say much older, she's like a senior citizen older. And six months earlier, according to Luke, which is the first 26 verses. I skipped them for today. But in those first 26 verses, this same angel, Gabriel, goes to Elizabeth and her family and says, hey, you're going to be pregnant. This will, be a, this will be a miraculous birth. It's not a virgin birth, right? It's a miraculous birth. And, and the miracle is that this incredibly old woman is going to become pregnant, which means that she and her husband would have to, you know, which is kind of a Christmas nightmare in my mind. But anyway, so... Back to, back to Mary. Luke tells us that Mary, go on, it says, uh, 
At this point, Mary was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Now, any of you who are married in this room, I know we got a lot of married couples, uh, any of you who are engaged, and I know we have some engaged folks that come to this church, you all know or you all remember that this engagement period is like a really exciting time. I mean, it really is. All, all you really do is you just dream about your future. Mary is smack dab in the middle of this really exciting time. All she's thinking about is that wedding, right? I want to wear, wear this dress. I saw it. It's kind of like a thing here. It's nice. I want to get this cake. I, I want to go on this honeymoon. I heard about Tuscany. It's great. The bed's not good, but the wine's great. I thought that's really good. Joseph, I was on Zillow. I saw a house, and it's beautiful, and it's like right in our price point, and I just thought, you know what would be great? A dog. We can get a yellow lab and name him Tucker, because that's what you name yellow labs, and then we should have two kids, right? A boy and a girl. Oh, Joseph. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful. We all did this, right? Because now our plans, they might all look different, but we all had plans, and we all saw our plans just unfolding perfectly, and it made us so happy. It was a great time to be alive. And then maybe out of nowhere, in the midst of our perfectly planned out life, you were thrown a curveball. Something you never saw coming came. Something you didn't expect, something you didn't plan for, something that would interrupt your plans. Mary thought she had her whole life all figured out. But little did she know that God had just pulled the lever on his plans and his plans would interrupt her plans. Out of nowhere, Luke tells us, Gabriel appears to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So she's minding her own business. She's in her backyard, I like to kind of imagine under a tree, kind of working on her Pinterest board, that kind of a thing. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this enormous angel, because these angels are huge, shows up, says to her, hey, favored woman, right? It's, it, it's your lucky day, right? And, and it says she's confused and she's disturbed and she's trying to figure it all out, which I think is a natural reaction given the situation. So Gabriel sees this. He tries to calm her down. He says, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. I can see that I've startled you. My appearance tends to do that to human beings. And I can see that you're trying to figure this all out, but you don't need to be afraid. My being here is a good thing. I I'm here to let you know that God's been watching you, likes what he sees, and he's got a plan for your life. Then Gabriel proceeds to walk Mary through God's plan. He says, so you will conceive, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary's eyes are kind of getting huge at this point. And Gabriel's like, oh, wait, there's, there's more. I'm not done. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. Now, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This is not what Mary expected to hear. I mean, 15 minutes ago, all she was thinking about was wedding dresses and wedding cakes. And now she's being told that she's going to conceive a son that she's got to name this son Jesus. Was that the name I'm supposed to use? Okay. And, and this kid is going to be the son of the most high. God's plan looked nothing like Mary's plan. And so it begs the question, what do you do when God interrupts your plans? And I can tell you this, based on scripture, God loves to interrupt plans. It's like his favorite thing. You know, God interrupted Moses' life with that burning bush. 
God interrupted David's life as a shepherd. Jesus interrupted the disciples' lives as fishermen and tax collectors. Jesus famously interrupts Paul's life on that road to Damascus. And now we see it here with Mary. And I can just tell you from personal experience, God has done this on a number of occasions in my life. Where, 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 where I had a plan, I was moving forward on that plan, full steam ahead. This is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work. This is how my life is going to unfold. Right? And out of nowhere, I mean, like out of nowhere, it was though God pulled a railroad switch and my life went off a different, different path, his path. Perhaps some of you have experienced that very same thing. What do you do when God steps into your life and he says, hey, uh, I know you thought you were going to go that way, but I'm going to need you to go that way. Kind of reminds me of in Proverbs 16, 9. It says, people may make plans in their minds, but the Lord decides what they will do. If we're honest, when God interrupts our lives, we tend to view those interruptions as an inconvenience. We tend to view them as a sort of a, I don't know, like an annoying set of circumstances, a, a frustrating event, or honestly just plain bad timing. But according to Scripture, we should actually welcome God's interruptions to our plans. Because God's plans are bigger than your plans. And God's plans are better than your plans. So let's talk for a minute about our plans, because we all have plans. The first thing that I notice about our plans is that, generally speaking, our plans are safe. This is not everybody, but generally speaking, our plans are safe. We structure our days, we structure our lives, we structure our careers to keep us safe. We do all we can to avoid our weaknesses. And I think that's normal. I think it's why we have sort of sayings like, well, you gotta play to your own strengths. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. But safe plans, they tend to keep us in our comfort zone. Safe plans, they don't stretch us at all. They don't, they don't challenge us at all. And I would argue that many times our safe plans don't position us to use all of our God-given talents and strengths. Our plans are nice and, 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 and they're safe. Now, the other thing that I notice about our plans, and you might want to hear this, but a lot of times our plans are just self-serving. Take a moment and really think about your life plan, if you have one. Isn't it true that really it's all about you? Yeah, I want to get this job, and if I get this job, I can get this promotion and leverage this job to get this job over here, right? I, I want to get this house. I want to get that car. I want to travel to this country, and then I want to go to this country. I want to retire at this age, and when I retire at this age, I want to have this much in the bank. None of these things is bad. They're all good things. You should be thinking about all those things. However, they are all for our benefit. We have planned out our entire lives with us in mind. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and I know many of you are, I actually think God wants more for your life. And so sometimes he's got to interrupt your life to give you a new purpose, to lead you in a new direction, a more fulfilling direction. Think about how amazing that actually is. God's interruptions mean that we're not forgotten in this world. We're not simply some afterthought in God's creations. This means that the creator of the universe is intimately involved in your life, 
He has designed something specifically for you, and he loves you enough, and he cares about you enough to interrupt your life in order to infuse new meaning, give you a new direction, and a new purpose. It's incredible. So Mary hears God's plan for her life. It's a wild plan. And she really only has one question. She says, but how can this happen, right? I'm a virgin. Like, this doesn't add up. God, your plan doesn't, doesn't make any sense. It, what, what you're asking me to do doesn't sound like something that I can do, right? How many times have we said the same thing to God? You want me to do what? You want me to go where? You want me to change jobs? You want me to move to a different state? You want me to break up with him? You want me to start? Oh, you want me to stop? When God calls us to move in a new direction, we try to calculate the how of it's all. How is this all going to work out? And Mary's no different, right? How can this happen? So Gabriel tries to answer her question. He says, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This word overshadow is a very interesting word. It is the same exact word that is used in the creation story where God's Spirit hovered over the waters creating. That word hovered is the exact same word that's used here, overshadow. So Gabriel is saying that God is going to use this same method of creation so that the baby will be born holy and he'll be called the son of God. So Gabriel says, all right, Mary, we asked, you asked how God's plan is going to happen. Well, this is how it's going to happen. Now, based on what comes next, I don't think this cleared up anything for Mary. Gabriel recognizes this. So he's like, all right, well, let me, let me tell you this too, right? <laughs> like, okay, hold on, wait. Let me just give you a little bit more details. Maybe that will help. I love this, okay? This goes to show, at least to me, that even if God were to explain everything to you, like, like, he, like he, he, he were to explain everything that was going to happen to you, like he pulled back the curtain to show you all of his plans for your life. Like he took out the blueprints and rolled them out in a table and he goes, okay, here's why this is happening. Here's why that's happening. Here's how this is all going to work out. I think those plans might not still add up to us even though they're right in front of our faces. But Gabriel's giving it the old college try. So he says, let me tell you this too. Your cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. This is the sixth month of her pregnancy. Pull it up for them. This is the sixth month of their pregnancy. Um, a woman who people used to say was barren. He's like, Mary, clearly God is doing something in this world. And I understand that it doesn't add up to you. And I think if Gabriel were to step into our own lives, he might say, look, listen, I understand. I understand that, that God is, is pushing you right now out of your comfort zone. I understand that God is, is calling you to trust him with details that don't make sense at all. And I get it. You're tempted to think, I, I can't do this, or I wasn't trained for this, or I can't, I can't handle this, or God, are you sure you got the right person? For, I, I, but Gabriel would tell you the exact same thing he told Mary. With God, you see, nothing is impossible. When God interrupts our lives, and he asks us to do something that is seemingly impossible, something that is outside of your comfort zone, we don't have to calculate the how because it's not going to add up anyway. 
All we got to do is trust God and leave the details up to him. And so in this moment, Mary looks up into the eyes of this enormous angel, and she utters one of the most important responses in human history. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. God's plan for Mary's life made no sense at all. It was loaded with potential risks. We've spoken about those risks in prior years, the least of which was divorce. The worst of it was possible death and stoning. And it meant that her plan would have to take a backseat to God's plan. But in faith, she trusted God with her future. And because she said yes to God's plan, her life was changed, and the world was changed, and Christmas came to be. One of the most important lessons, I think, that we learn from Mary's story is that God's plans require bigger calculations on our part. When we encounter God's plan for our lives, when we see that he is leading us in a new direction or that he wants us to do something different with our lives, I th- the first thing that we try to do is we, we do all the calculations to figure out, okay, how's this all going to work out? And I think by, in trying to figure out God's plans, the first thing we do is we often start by calculating the cost to me. How is this going to impact me and my life? I mean, if I follow God's will, if I follow his path, if I take his lead, if I uh, obey his principles and his commands, what am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to surrender? How am I going to have to submit to him? What am I going to have to sacrifice? How will my plans be affected by God's plans? It's human nature to think that way. But what I see from Mary is that when it comes to God's plans for your life, we actually need to calculate the cost to others. Meaning, who or what may hang in the balance if I decide to say no to God's plan? Because you can say no. I don't think we ever think on a scale this grand. Think about this for a second. How many people were blessed by Mary's act of faith? How many people would go on subsequently be blessed through the work of Jesus Christ? Think about how the world was radically changed because Mary said yes to God's plan. What if she said no? Because it would just cost her too much. What would that have cost us? This tells me that God's plan for our life is bigger than our life. That our decision to say yes to God's plans may be vitally important to those around us. Who knows the far-reaching effects of your act of faith? Who knows the people in your life or people you don't know and may never meet who might be positively impacted, perhaps even eternally impacted, by your decision to embrace God's What's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So my challenge for you today for this Christmas season would be to release your grip, okay? I think so many of us are holding on so tightly to our lives and to our plans and to our future and I get that. Okay, I get that. Trust me. We try to control our lives. We try to, we try to control our future. We try to control everything because I think we believe that, that we actually can work everything out. That, that we on our own can actually make everything happen. If I just hold tightly enough. 
ultimately, I think what we're looking for is assurance. We want to know that everything's going to be okay. We want to know that, that, that our future is going to be safe, it's going to be secure, and it's going to be happy. But you're not in control. And you never were. Control is just an illusion. And there really is only one way to have peace about your future, and that is to say yes to God. One of the greatest promises in all of Scripture is actually given to the Christian. And many of you will know this by heart when I put it up there, but Paul wrote something incredible in Romans 8.28. He says, we know, look at the confidence, we know that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are chosen to be a part of his plan. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to God's plan, you have the assurance to know that God, the creator of this universe, is watching and is taking care of you. He's watching out for you. And that whatever may come your way, whatever interruptions enter your life, whatever path he shows you, according to this, will ultimately be for your good and for his glory. We can have no greater assurance about our future than this. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what God is doing in your life right now, what these paths he might be showing you, but maybe, just maybe, it is just the right time for you to embrace that interruption because it could change the world and it will definitely change your life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, it is amazing to think that in the beginning of time, you created a plan to save this world, to save me, to save the people in this room. And you waited for just the right time to launch those plans. God, so many of us, we think that you work on our timetable, and that is not the case. We're on yours. And I pray, Lord, that this Christmas season, you would help us recognize that if you are changing our plans, if you're calling us to do something new, that this is just the right time. That you know our past, our present, and our future. And your plans for our life are good. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the confidence and the faith to live differently, to say yes to what you're calling us to do. And I pray, God, that in the process of that, our lives would be changed. And perhaps in some small way, we can change the world around us. Give us this season the faith of Mary. Help us to embrace the interruption. And we ask all of this in your son, Jesus' name.